Hey, what is going on? Welcome to this episode number 54 of Life and Lessons. In this week's episode, you're going to hear a conversation between me and Billy Harris. Billy is the founder of the Peak Performance Program, and it's his job to help six, seven, and eight-figure entrepreneurs optimize their sleep, nutrition, body, mind, time, and focus, and in doing so, optimize the impact that they can have in their personal and their professional lives. Billy is an expert in all things biohacking, health, and productivity, and in this conversation, he drops gems of knowledge that you can implement into your life as early as today to become happier, healthier, and way more productive. In the next hour, you're going to learn exactly how to avoid brain fog and get more done in less time, the importance of rest and how to get more good quality sleep, discipline and how to design systems to help you stick to good habits, what Billy has learned from having open door access to some of the most successful business people in our generation, and so much more. This is the first guest episode of the podcast and the bar has been set incredibly high. I've been sitting on this conversation for a few weeks, itching to release it, itching for you to hear it, and the time has finally come. But just before then, if you're new here, make sure that you subscribe to Life and Lessons on Spotify or Apple Podcasts or wherever it is you're listening right now. There are so many more great conversations like this one coming your way this year, and I can't wait for you to hear them. But in the meantime, here it is. Episode number 54 of Life and Lessons with Billy Harris. So look, I have followed you on Instagram for maybe two or three years okay. and you first came up on my radar because you did, uh, someone works in marketing, you did an incredible bit of growth hacking, which mm-hmm. is that uh, everybody, you and I included, we get a lot of DMs, we get a lot of tags in uh, like comments of other posts and all this shit that is like a usual notification Yeah. and things like cold emails, all of that stuff, you and I, we ignore. Yeah. Someone tagged me in a photo and I'm like, eh, I haven't been on a night out recently, like, <laughs> where's this come from? So I clicked on it. Uh, and there was just, it must have just been like a picture of you and then it was a caption explaining something about what you sell. Yeah, yeah. And yeah. truthfully at the time, uh, not least because I'd never stepped in the gym in my life and I didn't quite understand things like the importance of sleep, I thought, ah, fuck that, I'm not interested. But I was like, that's the coolest bit of marketing I've seen in a long time. Mm. So I dropped you a follow and I kind of accidentally followed this like Cyberman, like this this guy who does red light therapy, who has a, a, a light phone you just bought, who has a gym in your house, yeah. who does yeah. all this crazy shit to kind of biohack your way forward mm. and become a better version of yourself. But what is it you actually do? Yeah, so essentially we optimize the health and performance of entrepreneurs generating six, seven, and eight figures. So our intention is to optimize sleep, nutrition, body, mind, time, and focus, so they can accelerate their work performance and increase their output day to day. Um, yeah, that's the whole basis around the product which we developed and the thesis around which we're, we're building it with. So before we go into that, which will be very interesting, I want to yeah. throw it back just a little bit, right? So yeah. I've, uh, I think you shared maybe a year ago a picture of you as a PT in a gym. Yes. I know a few PTs in gyms. Back in the day. They're great guys. You know, they're pure <laughs> gym guys. They do their thing, but most of them stay in gym, right? They make right. their £20 an hour. They do their thing. They're content. Fewer of them 
pivot online. I know guys like Propane Fitness, I don't know if you know them, but they help people That's pivot right. from in-gym to online coach. Yeah, yeah. Lots of people are doing that, particularly this year with COVID. Mm. But very few people do what you've done, which is essentially in the space of three, four years maybe, you've built essentially a, an info product, a business on the back of that, and then yeah. this very in-depth course that teaches, like you say, six, seven, eight figure entrepreneurs how to optimize their health and their wealth. Yeah. Talk me through the process in three or four years of going from in-gym PT yeah. to what you are now. No, it's been a bit, um, well, for a bit of context, so I used to play tennis at national level and cross country at national level, stuff like that. So I was always very competitive and into performance enhancement or best performing the best of my ability in every context, kind of self-torture in a weird sense and exploring my limits is that's what I liked as a kid. Um, so I then became aware of the space of bodybuilding or basically kind of like benefiting your body and how you can improve that in, in every respect online with YouTube content when I was like 15, 16, started seeing the classics like Steve Cook, Christian Guzman, uh, Jeff Nippar, people like that, and more of the science elements of it as well, I was really interested in. Um, so I then at 18 decided I wouldn't go to university. I just didn't see any point in doing that. I saw no point in completing tests to then prove I was aware of certain pieces of information. It was just made no sense to me wasn't building anything, hated school to be frank as well. Wouldn't apply myself, I would get average grades because relative intelligence, but I wouldn't apply myself at all. Um, and then yeah, so I, I did a personal training course in Brighton, which was, well, at the time I was 18, had no money at all. Then I moved to London with, I remember 500 quid in my account. Wow. And uh, the way it works in Gymbox, which is one of the best gyms in London, this facility, which I was very privileged to work at, especially at a young age, I was the youngest guy in any of the gym boxes, 18. Everyone was like 30, 35, and I was 18. Um, yeah, 500 quid, the way it works there is you're paying rent to work there, so you're paying one and a half grand a month just to work there. You're freelance, you're paying for that space. So I was like, shit, I really need to make some money really quickly. Um, so I started signing a few clients, best possible, and I was making between 60 to 90 pounds an hour at a young age, which was good at the time. I thought, okay, that's great, I'm making sure. four to six grand a month. Um, but for me, it was also almost a case of, it wasn't intellectually challenging enough and it was something which I knew would be very short term. I wanted to kind of make stepping stones as such. So clients I was working with at the time, they're in primarily in recruitment tech. Um, yeah, primarily businesses like that and making fair amounts of money at a young age as well, which is obviously very intriguing for me. So I wanted to kind of understand how they were doing that. So I go for dinners with them. I'd speak to them all day, every day about what they're doing with their businesses, whether it be a digital marketing agency, recruitment business, finance business, tech business, whatever it was. And these guys were like 40, they were looking to exit from their businesses and make considerable amounts of money. So it was great people to learn from at the time. And then, um, which was really interesting. And I was also became to observe that these individuals were pushing everything in terms of they burning both ends of the candle. So they were working extremely hard, not taking care of their health and performance, eating like shit, of, often taking drugs or drinking quite frequently. Yeah. And as a result, their health would decline very quickly. And as a result, their business <clears throat> performance would decline very quickly as well. It'd be very tumultuous or fluctuant if, if that's right to use. Um, so yeah, then became aware of individuals in the info product space. I actually bumped into Iman Gadzi. Yeah. When I was 18, he would have been 17, so he just started his info product. So he was doing videography at a time for what's, what's now the company Genflow. And I started doing a bit of videography with him at the time, so obviously we were at a year, eight year age difference. Did a bit of videography for a photo shoot with him, and then six months later bumped into him again, and he built this info product that was doing 50k a month. I was like, how on earth is this kid making this much money yeah. at this age? Um, so started working with him as his personal trainer and obviously understood the nuances of an info product and also his agency model as well. And then kind of became more aware of how I could apply that myself and scale a business to more than six figures at a young age rather than trading my time for money. Um, and then obviously that's led into different businesses from now. But yeah, that's the kind of the basis of it. So something interesting that you said there that I want to pick up on. Yeah. And correct me if I'm wrong in this stereotype, but mm. 
a generation back from us, people would work incredibly, uh, high performers would work incredibly hard. They would get to say 40, 45, 50. Mm. Their health would start to fail them. Yeah. And at that point, they would think, shit, I need to do something about it. Yeah. Whereas it seems, particularly with the people you work with, but even individuals I know, people now, they turn 18, 19, 20, and they want to do that kind of, that proactive work rather than reactively when they start failing. Yeah. Is that something you've noticed between the the PT clients you had who are quite old and then these guys you work with who are generally quite young? Yeah, I mean, it's something I was aware of fairly subconsciously, I think it's fair to say, in terms of the content I was consuming at a young age. So seeing Gary Vee present the kind of grind hard mentality or sleep when you're dead mentality, Became, I became quite aware of the fact that there was a generational difference mm. more so and something which I mean if you look at Gary Vee he looks absolutely awful <laughs> he looks like 65 it, it's ridiculous yeah. yeah and individuals like that so yeah you're right in terms of the generational thing that is definitely the case and most individuals that I was working with as I said were relying on cocaine or copious amounts of caffeine to get through a working day they couldn't think straight they're making really stupid decisions as a result so some of their businesses would collapse quite quickly as well which was just baffling they created something quite incredible and then because a few bad decisions they collapsed because they couldn't think straight with dealing with huge amounts of brain fog couldn't focus bad social communication as well it was really interesting to see and then also in terms of like the personal element seeing that with my dad as well he used to be a graphic designer very 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 elite kind of level graphic designer but yeah he's burning both ends of the candle again so he became very ill very quickly with his health and as a result died of cancer so seeing that as being someone who's working all the time, wasn't prioritizing his own welfare was really interesting as well and how that then impeded his ability to work day to day because he'd be working for 16 hours rather than a solid six hours, which could have got equally as much done. Yeah. Um, yes, yeah, so in terms of generational thing, our generation as itself are more aware of the scientific element of things and how they can optimize their performance and attain you know 18 hours of working six hours. And as a result, lead a, a much more you know, a brilliant life per se, and obviously scale a business to a much higher level very quickly as well. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, in your early days when you were, maybe before the pivot from PT to the peak performance program, maybe in the process, yeah. when you're consuming these guys like Gary Vaynerchuk and all the kind of online gurus who, like you say, they preach perhaps not the best advice. It's popular advice, but is it practically good advice? Perhaps yeah. not. Did yeah. you ever in the early days find yourself falling into the trap of believing it? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, in terms of the product that I built, I'm, I'm my own student, per se. Um, so in that respect, when I, especially when I was first doing PT, I was getting up at five o'clock in the morning, getting back at 11 at night. Because that's the way in which you work wow. as a PT, pretty much. Especially if you're young and wanting to achieve something. Um, so yeah, I was barely sleeping and it became, dre- it was awful, especially at a young age. And I started to notice everything in terms of my performance, cog- cognitively speaking, in terms of output, focus, just ability to work was declining drastically. Why on earth is this happening? Um, so yeah, I became a victim of that that approach as well. Yeah, definitely. And obviously saw, it's absolutely bizarre to me that I was kind of idolizing Gary Vee in respect where I'd see his content, wouldn't even look into his business, but assume that he was the right person to look at. Yeah. I wouldn't even look at anything in terms of his financials, which makes no sense to me. But at the time I was thinking that he's the kind of idol to look at and observe. And then as a result, follow his behaviors, having yeah. done that and from an athletic pursuit perspective, you know, seeing Roger Federer trying to copy what he was doing, emulate that, I thought I'd do the same with business. Um, yeah, it was, it was baffling to me that I kind of failed to oh, I adhere to that perspective of things, yeah. Was there a, do you remember any sort of story where there was a, a switch that flicked in your mind where you thought, was it like a late night and you're like, look, I can't do this? Or was it just this natural progression of learning a bit, implementing it and so on? Does that make sense? Was there yeah, no, it does. Yeah, a definitely. period where you thought, you know what, I can't do this. I need something better for me. Yeah, I mean, at the time I had to do that, to be frank, in terms of the personal training element of things, because that's the way in which your personal training hours are set. You can't really work around that unless obviously you then move into an online platform, which is what I did. Um, So yeah, I wouldn't have been able to trade that. But in terms of 
what make, make me aware of the change I need to make personally speaking I'd always been tracking my health metrics anyway so when I was at National Tennis Center they're tracking micronutrients and macronutrients like literally weighing every gram of food like cooked food already onto your plate and it was just the amount of scientific research going into things in terms of your performance and biology was just insane I was doing blood work all the time um, I was also tracking my sleep metrics with a, with a, a Fitbit when I was 15 wow. and I've actually got a print upstairs in my flat from when I was 15 which I used for a, a photography A-level piece which is kind of bizarre but um, yeah metric data was going to inform me of where you're at basically um, so at that point obviously I started tracking my metrics once again with an aura ring and then other tools like that getting blood work done and saw the fact that it was obviously negatively impacting my behaviour and performance so yeah made that change really quickly yeah so um, bringing it back to what you do now hmm. with uh, the the people who you work with who like you say they're successful in their own right yeah before they even approach you mm. but there must be something in their minds that that makes them realize that they could be more they could do more which is why they come to you right for sure what is uh, given that these people like i say are already doing impressive things beforehand mm. what are the key things that you uncover when you begin working with people that are the kind of the commonalities between successful people who yes they look after themselves but perhaps they're doing x y and z wrong yeah, so for a bit of context for the guys listening, so the individuals I work with, as I said, are six, seven, eight-figure earners in the digital marketing, e-commerce, info product space, basically any online business. Um, so one of the key traits that I became aware of quite quickly was the fact that they become successful at a very young age, not as a result of their discipline or their behavior in terms of routines and systems, but more so as a result of their intellect being a little bit above average and then having more of an insight in terms of, okay, right, I can set up an e-commerce brand. Most people aren't even aware of the nuances of that. They inform themselves of that and as a result create success. I mean, it's kind of like a self-explanatory process really. It's, it's quite simple to understand. So yeah, in terms of their basic level of intellect, it's probably a little bit higher than most people. And as a result, they attain relative success at a young age. Um, but then what holds them back is then the ability to perform day in and day out at a high level. And they become aware of that very quickly. So it wasn't their success wasn't determined by their systems, their behaviors, their routines, their, you know, their practices on a daily basis, their performance basically. It was determined previously by maybe a few good decisions and a few small outputs rather than anything else. So they reach the multi-six, seven-figure level. Then they notice that their ability to work becomes impeded by brain fog, a limited focus, limited output, limited energy, ability to actually work for long periods of time. And as a result of that, they can't hit the ceiling they want to hit in terms of that eight-figure bracket or above and beyond, really. Um, and obviously start to notice the fact that individuals doing, you know, things like Jeff Bezos, for example, prioritize every element of their health and their well-being. And then obviously they become aware of that. And that's where that kind of link becomes made. Yeah. Brain yeah. fog. I want to pick up on that. Yeah. Because we all get it, right? There's, yeah. Um, I, I don't need a watch because I can tell when it's 2 p.m. in the office because everything <laughs> yeah, just slows down. Yeah, for sure. Like it just, you, you, it's almost a feeling in the air when you can tell that everybody's fatigued, everybody's a bit tired. Yeah. And I look at the time and like, it must be nearly, I'm like, shit we've still got like three or four hours left to go mm. firstly for those who don't know explain in your words what brain fog is but then talk to me about how you help people overcome it yeah so i mean brain fog we've all experienced it as, as sean said there so it hits that 2 p.m bracket at work or at school as we would experience from younger as well where you suddenly can't focus on anything at all you become very drowsy very quickly you become very fatigued you don't want to do any work either and it's everything takes 10 times more time than it would have taken previously speaking um so that's kind of the way in which i describe it on like a basic level term it's basically like basically as i said like a fork in your head pretty much very simple yeah um yeah the main causes of that would be very simple in terms of blood sugar regularities is one of the main variables so if for example you've consumed a heavy breakfast or lunch you've experienced obviously a blood sugar spike and then a decline as a result of that you feel very tired and very fatigued very quickly and obviously your brain starts to become impeded by that also um other variables would be for example things like 
uh, mercury poisoning, which is really important to assess as well in terms of blood work that you should be getting done as an individual and you're running a digital marketing agency as well. It's really important to get done at some point. Um, yeah, there's many variables that, that contribute to it. Obviously, lack of sleep in terms of sleep quality as well, particularly REM sleep. REM sleep being more responsible for the cognitive element of things rather than physical element of things. Um, so yeah, those variables would be really important to assess and then kind of reverse engineer. Cool. And if yeah. you... And also lack of activity, I should add. Lack of activity okay. and sunlight as well. They're the two main variables because, I mean, most individuals get up at seven or eight, go straight into work, look at blue light the whole time, especially in an environment like this and in front of yeah. screens. Yeah barely go outside as a result of that don't actually expose themselves to natural sunlight and as a result their body starts to become it starts to fail because of it pretty much yeah yeah so if you're experiencing brain fog um and you you haven't checked all the boxes that you've just spoken of yeah but maybe somebody's listening to this on their lunch break and they're about to go back to the office and it's going to be 2 p.m and they're going to be fucked for the rest of the day for want of a better phrase yeah is there anything you can do in in the immediate term to just kind of lift yourself up that isn't a cup of coffee or a can of red bull are there any more natural ways to find a second wave of energy yeah um yeah incorporating more exercise more activity so very simple in between your work blocks so let's say for example you're working for 40 to 50 minutes at a time incorporating an element of activity for 10 minutes either working at a standing desk or just simply i've got a basketball hoop in my apartment simple as i play some music for 10 minutes and just play basketball for 10 minutes just to get my heart rate up a little bit more incorporate a little bit more blood flow as well it's really important um i personally advise either intermittent fasting past 2 p.m or making sure that the food sources you are consuming aren't inflammatory and what i mean by that for example is if you get a biome test done as well which is really important to get done or a gut health testing kit done it'll inform you of food sources that are inflammatory and as a result will then basically be more prevalent in terms of brain fog so let's say for example someone is going to have a high inflammatory response to grass-fed beef which would be consumed normally as being like a healthy food some individuals will then as, as a result actually experience brain fog so if you're not aware of that being the case, then yes, you will experience it day to day. So it could be any food source you're consuming if you don't get that testing kit done or any gut health testing kit as well. Um, and then exposing yourself to natural sunlight. Those are really simple remedies. And also water quality as well is really important. And also air quality. There's so many variables in terms of environmental factors, but yeah, they're kind of the basics. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Um, so you protect your sleep. I see on your Instagram story that you are the, the OG of good sleep, right? You're, yeah. you're the antidote to Gary Vaynerchuk <laughs> with your red light therapy, your blue light blockers. Yeah. Your, uh, so I'm a, an advocate for good sleep, right? Mm. I, you know, I wear my whoop, I put my phone on the other side of the room. Yeah. Uh, I, right now I'm not consuming caffeine, which we can talk about in a minute because I know you're about 110 days deep into no caffeine. No, longer. Is it really? Yeah, it would have been since probably about March. Wow. Okay. Yeah, it's been wow. a while. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, um, <laughs> wow, okay. Um, so before we go on to caffeine, talk to me about sleep and the importance of sleep, because I'll be honest with you until maybe, well, until I read why we sleep by Matthew Walker, if I'm honest, yeah. I was like, ah, sleep's this whatever thing. Yeah. Um, and now I will talk to anybody who's willing to listen about sleep. It's like my favorite hobby and I'm just obsessed with the benefits of it because they're so tangible, right? Mm. I, particularly recently, right, Wiz, it's just been Black Friday. We have been busier than ever as a business. Yeah. And I see on Whoop, my metrics slipping mm. right and even that time in bedtime i see slipping from nine to eight to like 6.5 hours yeah, yeah and when it gets to that point i feel such a difference but the reason i want to speak about sleep so much and the mm. reason i want to ask you about it is because if i were to have in this room with us now i would say 100 of my friends but i'd need 100 friends for that but <laughs> 100 people off the street right if i got yeah. 100 people in and asked you know what do they do about their sleep how how much sleep do they get per night yeah i would be willing to bet that 93 out of the 100 would be getting the worst quality sleep they'd be falling asleep with a fucking tv on yeah. getting seven hours or less sleep mm. 
but people function like it. Talk to me about a the the benefits of good sleep hygiene, mm. and then b practical things that people can do to implement to improve their sleep and feel the benefits as early as literally tomorrow morning. Yeah, I mean, I would refer to that famous Peter Drucker quote: "What gets magic gets mattered." Basically, matters basically. That's not word for word, but it's something along the lines of. Um, yeah, when it comes to sleep metrics, I think most most individuals you might ask would say they sleep perfectly fine, even if they're only attaining six hours per night, and that's kind of been portrayed as being acceptable by society anyway. But if they were to then look at metrics from, for example, like a whoop band or an aura ring, they'd see their sleep quality is awful. It is absolutely shocking. Their wake time could be in excess of an hour and a half to two hours. So they're actually only sleeping about four hours per night, which is baffling. And as a result of that, I don't know if you know too much about the new, obviously, you know, well aware of deep sleep, REM sleep, etc. having seen whoop, but for the audience, they may not be aware of that. Um, so there's different sleep cycles we go through incorporating like deep sleep, REM sleep, etc. And then variables need to be aware of like a wake time. Deep sleep is more responsible for the physical element in terms of recovery and repair. So make sure you're actually adapting to any stimulus or stress you're putting on the body. So for example, training in the gym, you need to recover from that. Deep sleep is really important to that variable. You should be attaining about two hours per night, two and a half hours per night. REM sleep is more responsible for the cognitive element of things and also memory function. And then also emotional awareness or your ability to control emotional regularity, basically. Um, so again, in, in that respect, you should always be attaining about two hours, two and a half hours per night. But most individuals particularly the individuals I start to work with at first, you're only getting half an hour per night of that particular um, take a variable of sleep. And as a result, their ability to perform is very much impaired. And you would have experienced that yourself where you get five hours of sleep per night as opposed to nine or 10, where it's incredible, good quality sleep duration and length. Um, and as a result of that, you perform like a god, pretty much. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, once again, where you're not necessarily going to be aware of the benefits of quality sleep until you actually experience it consistently. Um, and as a result of that, you may kind of adhere to the, again, like the six hour sleep thing, thinking that's the right thing to, to, to follow. And as a result, you're kind of grinding hard, you're actually working hard. Bizarrely, there's kind of the element of, particularly in society, which has been kind of portrayed as being beneficial. Um, it's almost like they're putting yourself through a period of suffering in order to attain success, which is absolutely bizarre when you think about it, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, everyone who wants to achieve relative success in their career or either in their business, they're starting, seems to think you need to suffer in order to do so. And as a result, the, the main way in which they facilitate that is by limiting their ability to sleep or their quality of sleep, which is just absolutely bonkers in reflection. Anyway, something that they adhere to. Um, yeah, I mean, in terms of practicing good quality sleep, everyone needs to be practicing it on, on a daily basis and needs to be making themselves aware, educating themselves of what good quality sleep is in terms of duration, efficiency, etc. But yeah, metric data is really important to that in, in itself. I was, So I, I started my first business when I was 14. Yeah. Um, and although it wasn't, a big business it wasn't like a, a time demanding business because yeah. i was doing that outside of school mm. i would there were genuinely days where i would go home from school not sleep yeah. go back into school and i thought at the time that was the fucking coolest thing ever yeah i genuinely thought it was incredible that like you know i i, I was following the okay gary v wasn't around at the time but this kind of this persona of being like billy big balls billy that's yeah, all right. yeah. <laughs> i need to not use that for <laughs> Um, but this persona of being like the guy because I don't sleep and I grew out of that fortunately yeah but I find it bizarre that I see you know the majority of the adult population just never grow out of it and they, yeah. they believe this lie that you must as you say put yourself through suffering but actually kind of limit your ability to get stuff done mm. to pretend that you're getting more done it's the most bizarre paradox yeah, but I mean, also in that sleep deprived state, your ability to actually think about these things in detail and as a result make the right decisions is totally impaired, which is absolutely baffling. It seems bizarre. Well, it seems bizarre to think if you're not aware of how 
important sleep quality is to think that if you get sleep, six hours of sleep per night, your ability to make decisions to actually see things for the truth that it is, is almost impossible. Mm. It seems bizarre to think that, but that is the case. It's quite simple. Um, yeah, and as a result of that, people make really stupid decisions, particularly when it comes to obviously variables like that and assessing their performance and retrospective what they could achieve day to day. Um, it's, it's absolutely baffling, to be frank. But again, it's one of those things which is quite common. And also in terms of humans, we're all flawed. <laughs> so everyone is aware of the fact they should be sleeping, you know, eight hours, nine, nine hours per night and optimizing their environment to attain good quality sleep and obviously efficiency. But something they will not do, similar to how, for example, they know that in order to create more financial abundance or success, they should be checking their bank account every day. But they're not doing that either. It's the same thing. It's just a form of self-sabotage pretty much. And again, something which people kind of brush under the carpet and neglect knowing that they should be working on it. And it's the same in terms of every aspect of your health. You know that, for example, if you're limiting your sleep efficiency and quality, you're more likely to get cancer. Or if you're smoking, you're more likely to get But we see so many people doing it day to day. It's bizarre, but it's still one of those things people do. So I almost think it's a, an identity thing and a lack of respect for yourself, mm. truth be told. Yeah. There's, um, so a bit of context. My dad has Alzheimer's. Yeah. And he, we cut, he, he got it quite young. He was diagnosed at maybe 57, I yeah. think. Which oh, sorry is to hear it. Relative, it's relatively quite young. Yeah. But, we were rewinding in our minds and thinking, how was he pre-exposed to it so young? Mm. And I think this is probably why I'm so passionate about good sleep, right? Yeah. I, the only thing I can attribute it to, maybe, because the research is is still flaky on Alzheimer's more yeah. generally, of course. is that because he and my mum work very different times yeah. um, during their careers, my dad would more often than not, almost always sleep downstairs on the sofa, right. fall asleep with the TV on and get shit quality, yeah. low sleep for like maybe six hours a night. Yeah. When you extrapolate that over 15 years, even if it isn't that that causes it, the research says that it is that which causes it for so many other people. Yes. And I truthfully believe if you, like if you were to speak to my dad um, in, in a state where he could have a conversation about it mm. and we were to say, look, if you, if you could go back 20 years and just get one hour more sleep per night yeah. and this situation may not, according to the research, have yeah. occurred, okay, yeah. every single person would choose to get the sleep. Every yeah, single person would choose to look after themselves. Yeah. I find it so interesting that, that so many people, when they're young, when they think they're made out of kind of rubber, just don't look after themselves and they don't yeah. do the things that they know are good for them. Why do you think that is? Um, I think it's a combination of factors. I think it can be, well, in the first format... Um, almost like an ego thing in terms of thinking you're invincible at a young age. I think that's something which is fairly prevalent in, amongst people that I know anyway. Um, and as a result of that, they th- yeah, they think they're totally invincible. They won't take on information from others necessarily. Um, and as a result, totally shoot themselves in the foot. I think that's one element of it. I think it's also a lack of respect in regards to respect for yourself. Um, I, I certainly saw that in my dad's identity because obviously he passed away from cancer and that contributed heavily as a result of lack of sleep quality and basically poor healthcare as such. He would never train, never exercise, ate, Poor quality food when he's working frequently in intense for intense periods, put himself under copious amounts of stress, and as a result, his body started to falter. Um, I saw that as being a lack of respect to, to, to himself, pretty much. Um, yeah, I mean, it's it's interesting. I think humans kind of just manage to float through day to day life without really thinking about things too significantly, kind of just get by. Yeah, they 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 fail to kind of push themselves to every limit, and they just go. They're settled with their hygiene standards. And this applies to every element of their life, including their health and performance, um, which is absolutely bizarre. And hence why the service that I deliver is for individuals wanting to push themselves to their limits in terms of what they can achieve their business, but also every element of their life as well. And it's as a result, they actually take that information on board rather than individuals in mass mass public per se. We wouldn't even associate with this and relate themselves to this. They'd be thinking, oh, I don't need to do that at all. Um, yeah, it's one of those things. 
There's a, uh, there's a quote I like, which you reminded me of when speaking there, which is something like, you only have two lives and mm. your second one begins when you realise you only have one. Yeah. Because I think everybody has a waking up moment where yeah. they think, you know, sure. shit. And I think, I'm not sure about you, I think lots of people had that moment this year. I have good friends who, I'm thinking of one in particular who I know will be listening to this, though I won't name him, who yeah. used to have, due to his job, a very unhealthy lifestyle, right? Sure. Uh, working incredibly late hours in loud environments as a DJ. Mm. Uh all sorts of alcohol and perhaps other substances, who yeah. I like to say. Um, and he was, don't get me wrong, he was successful, mm. but then nightclubs closed and he was forced to focus on himself. Yeah. And he has made the most incredible transformation awesome. since being forced to look at, I wouldn't say look at himself, but I think that this year's reminded all of us that actually nothing's guaranteed. Yeah, of course. And it's quite interesting that... And we're weak. All of it's... Yes, yeah, we're yeah. weak and flawed as human beings. We're very susceptible to everything. Yeah, and you know, it's. I think it's a good thing for all of the negatives that twenty twenty gave us. Mm. I think reminding us all that actually, you know, it's not guaranteed. Yeah, and we should probably do something about it. Absolutely, be proactive. Mm. Yeah, I mean, particularly in society right now, we don't have to survive in any form. So being aware of the danger of not taking care of these things isn't necessarily prevalent. And until we get to that point, maybe become sixty, seventy, eighty, and then you get diagnosed with cancer, and you're like, well, it's too late by then. Yes, it's absolutely bizarre. Again, it's more of a preventative measure as well. But in context, what we do with our clients, it's also for a perspective of output and increasing that. That's the main objective. But in terms of people taking care of their health and welfare in general, yes, it's an absolute priority. It's bizarre that no one does. But again, it's one of those things where I think every human being is aware of it to an extent. Um, but because they don't necessarily feel the immediate desire to focus on it, they feel like it's something that they don't need to be doing. Yeah. Whereas if, for example, we're short on money, it's always in our mind. We always, we're always thinking about the fact we're short on money, therefore we need to put in place systems to generate more money or work harder. Simple as. But when it comes to sleep and your ability to actually optimise your health, people aren't thinking about it in their subconscious day-to-day. And as a result, even though they're aware of it, they're not really, again, kind of reinstating that fact they need to be optimising it. And when it comes to one o'clock in the morning, they're thinking, oh, I'll just get that dopamine hit from my phone, expose myself to more blue light, and as a result, not produce melatonin correctly, and then I can't sleep, and then shoot themselves in the foot, and then complain that they can't sleep at all. And it's, it's, it's a health impediment when actually it's just basic things. Mm. Yeah. Let's talk about dopamine because yeah. ever since I must have listened to a podcast three or four years ago about social media. Yeah. And until then, I was part of the masses. I would use my phone constantly. I wouldn't even realize when I'm using my phone. Yeah. A screen time, fortunately, hadn't come out by then. Yeah. Because I would dread <laughs> to see what it says. Um, <laughs> I think that most people listening have probably watched The Social Dilemma on Netflix. Have you seen it? Yeah, I have. Yeah. It's incredible. Yeah, it's, it's interesting. It's really, really eye-opening. Even for somebody who is fairly well-versed on things like intermittent variable rewards and all of these dopamine devices, yeah. I still watched it and felt like a, an immediate anxiety. I was like, shit, yeah, it's even terrifying. now, yeah. you just bought a light phone, which, yes. um, correct me if I'm wrong, it's a phone which is, is it like an e-ink style screen, yeah, no colour, exactly and no apps. Talk to yeah. me about that. Um, so, what well, that's my decision for doing yeah, that. Yeah, sorry, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so, again, it goes back to every variable. Like, as I said, in terms of variables of health and performance, I focus on sleep, nutrition, body, mind, time, and focus. Six variables, six key pillars, right? And I feel like in terms of optimizing each variable, it kind of raises you through a cloud or an ability to actually see more things at a greater level and as a result, think at a high level of intellect and create better decisions. So, obviously, you optimize sleep and as a result of that, your performance increases by, let's say, 20%. The next variable you should be maybe assessing would be your ability to focus and create, I don't know, a high level of focus and output day to day. The one of the main variables which can impede that will be looking at your phone frequently. So I mean most individuals their screen time, I think honestly would be between six to eight hours per day, which is absolutely baffling. Six to eight hours per day you're spending on your phone. And that's terrifying. We've all been there. Like I've done that myself. 
it is terrifying to think that six or eight hours of your day are spent looking at a screen rather than thinking about things that can either further yourself or the other individuals around you. It is bizarre. Um, yeah, so in regards to my decision to pick up that phone, it's, it's pretty simple. I think if you're going to do something properly, you need to do it cold turkey in terms of removing that system. So obviously my business does rely around social media and presenting content, producing content. So I will use my iPhone for certain periods, for let's say like an hour, where it's just for things that can be the needle of my business further forward. But throughout the rest of the day, I'll use my new light phone. And the light phone itself only has text, calls, a navigation device and audiobooks on there. Super simple thing. It's, it's like this big, it's, it's actually upstairs, a gray phone. Um, it looks pretty tiny. It kind of looks like something you might've gotten out like a, a toy when you were a kid. Um, but yeah, it basically removes any kind of dopamine hit from your life. And as a result, you can kind of take control of your focus once again and output. And we've all had those days where, let's say, for example, you throw away your phone for a day, your ability to actually get work done is, a, is increased by tenfold. Mm. It's, it's insane. So if you can do that on a daily basis, think about how much you could achieve rather than having that dopamine response. And again, it's one of those things where I've tried certain things at certain points to remove, reduce my screen time, right? To the point where it's to like half an hour per day. And obviously, I need to post on social media to get, obviously, highlight things to clients, etc. cetera. Sure. Um, but it got to the point where if, for example, I want to complete deep work blocks between eight in the morning till two o'clock in the afternoon, which is ideally the time which I'm fasting and I don't have any contact with anyone, I'm just working. Um, even if I didn't have like, for example, WhatsApp or Instagram on my phone, the inclination to actually download it once again, and then as a result, use it was there. So, yeah. so something which is bothering me a lot. And as a result, in terms of activation energy as well, I don't know if you read about that principle, it's something which is covered in the happiness advantage. Activist energy is something which is finite, so something which you utilize like willpower throughout the day, and obviously you only have a finite amount. Um, activation energy in terms of stopping you, yourself to actually go on these apps is, is, is very demanding. And as a result of that ability in terms of utilizing your willpower correctly is again impaired. So yeah, something which is just a total distraction as a result of that I want to remove it totally. Um, and I always think the best work is done in silence, and that's my personal experience. I've created the most reformable change in my own life, and as a result, in terms of productivity and output, in silence without having any distractions. Obviously, social interaction is really important, but that doesn't need to be through a phone. That should be through people that you're surrounding yourself with anyway, either like your partner, your friends, your business partners, whatever it may be. It doesn't need to be through WhatsApp, through Instagram, through story posts. And it is absolutely bizarre to think that we're kind of highlighting and documenting every element of our lives through social media. Well, I mean, what does that do for you? And it's so short-term as well, it's so fleeting. Um, and again, the best minds that we're aware of, particularly in, in culture right now, in, especially in business, like Ben Francis, for example, I mean, how often do you see that guy posting on stories? Yeah, yeah. How often do you see him posting on Instagram? It's something which is very infrequent. He has to do it to obviously highlight himself as being the face of the brand, but something which is incredibly infrequent. As a result, he's grown a business to a billion in valuation. So yeah, yeah. my objective, personally speaking, is to create multiple businesses which I can exit for at a very high level and create reform and change in some way in society and serve people at a high level. And I, I see my phone as being a hindrance to that. So yeah, removing that is really important. There's something I want to pick up on there, which is interesting when you said about uh, the documenting our lives and how fickle it is. Yeah. So the, the actual reason this podcast came about is last November, yeah, last November I did a month without social media. Yeah. And I found myself with so much free time that I thought yeah. I need to do something. And that's how this came about, right? Sure. But the day I rejoined social media, I put a story up. This is completely true. The mm. message was identical from two people. I put a social media, like a post up on Instagram. Mm. Two people messaged me and said, I forgot you existed. We spend so much time focusing on how these people perceive us yeah. and what we look like online. You remove yourself from a, a bloody newsfeed for 30 days. And people and you forget. you don't exist. Yeah, it's crazy. Yeah, it's bizarre. I mean, it's also one of those things where that might be a reason why people don't do this in terms of don't remove their phone from their day-to-day -day lives because they'll be left behind. Mm. 
But it's, again, it depends on what you want to achieve and what you want to gain out of life. Like I know, for example, in order to scale my businesses, I should be putting more money into ads rather than producing content on my story. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and obviously I can produce content on YouTube and platforms like that. And obviously Instagram posts and IGTVs and whatnot. That'll take me, what, five, 10 minutes per day max, rather than just producing loads of story posts, which again are there for a certain period of time then go off 24 hours um, and simply continue to fuel the, the dopamine addiction, I suppose, it's fair to say. And again, these things are... The individuals that create these things and these platforms, these systems, are so intelligent. Who are we to then overcome their their ability to control us? It's going to be very difficult to do so, particularly with the new laws coming into place and certain things. With Instagram as a platform as well, it's it's quite terrifying to think about, really, yeah. and how it's going to control the majority of people. But yeah, in terms of the, the objective for myself personally, I know I can scale my businesses without being on socials so heavily. Um, and as a result of that, create much more change in basically progress in my businesses. Yeah. There's a correlation I've drawn over the years, mm. um, and you probably see it a lot through the people, not necessarily that you work with, because they're clearly on the right track, but people that you're maybe prospecting or yeah. look at their profile. Mm. And I'm convinced this is true, and I'd love to see the data. The more productive somebody tries to look online, mm. just by virtue of the fact that they're spending their time looking productive, the less productive they are. Oh, absolutely. The most productive people I know are impossible to get in, in, in touch with, have like four posts on their Instagram when they go on holiday. And yeah. It's just this crazy thing, and I think it does come from not to turn this into a Gary V bashing session because you know he he has his upsides, but yeah, of course, there's this really bizarre thing whereby everybody is so focused on looking like the end result, and looking like the end result often stops them from ever getting there. Well, yeah, I think it's also because in life right now, everything's short term in terms of rewards. I mean, you can literally order your favorite food on an app in ten minutes, and it arrives at your door without even seeing the money being exchanged because it's through Apple Pay or through PayPal or through bank, whatever it may be. Yeah. It's bizarre to think about, really. Everything's so short-term, and as a result of that, you get a massive dopamine hit from everything you engage with, um, including social media. So, yeah, it's also just motivating yourself to do the wrong things, pretty much. Um, and incorrectly wiring your brain, I think it's fair to say, as well. But, yeah, you're totally right in terms of the people that want to post more often and look more productive, but the individual's doing nothing. Yeah, yeah other is, than posting. Yeah, other than <laughs> posting, and as a result, maybe getting a few DMs. Yeah. But saying, wow, mate, you look really successful. Yeah, congratulations. Life. And then they failed to actually do anything with their lives after that, which yeah. is just bizarre. Um, but then it also becomes a point of that's the wrong motivation because then you're basically working for the purpose of getting gratification from others rather than actually working on something which will either benefit other people or something you can then potentially scale and exit from. Yeah. Um, and again, the best minds in the world are probably the individuals that have the kind of like the least engaged social profiles. So, for example, like I don't know if you've seen Blitzscaling as a, as a series on YouTube. Yeah, so Reid Hoffman created Blitzscaling, and obviously he produced a book. I believe he produced a book, Blitzscaling, as well, which basically documents the process of scaling a business in either tech space or whatever space, maybe software space, like LinkedIn, like Twitter, etc., and how to then scale that and exit from it. Um, they have a docu-series online on YouTube, and it's about 16 episodes long, in which they're interviewing the best minds, the best CEOs in tech in Silicon Valley, basically of our generation, um, including Elon Musk. And this, these videos get 500 views. Whereas uh, an info product owner or like a, an online guru, for, even for example, like Gary Vee, again, not to turn this into a bashing session, but um, they'll get 2 million views on a, vi a video because they're basically, <laughs> they're basically pole dancing on YouTube. Yeah, yeah, so yeah. <laughs> these clickbait titles and whatnot. It's just absolutely bizarre to think that's the way in which society kind of works now and focuses around certain individuals that are trying to get this attention rather than producing something which should then warrant attention. So as yeah. a as a content creator yourself, I have yeah. to say, for anyone who hasn't watched your videos, they ought to. They're incredible. I appreciate it. They're, they're very in depth. You're mm. you're essentially giving away your best knowledge for free. Yeah. 
how does it feel when you put up a video and not to say that you focus on the view number necessarily, but yeah. it gets say 500, a thousand views mm. and you've put in hours and years worth of knowledge into that. And then you see Gary Vee, I think the latest video I saw was him talking about dollar pizza in New York and it's yeah. got like 300,000 likes on Instagram. Yeah. Does it ever, do you ever think like, I mean, what do you think when you see that? Or do you not pay attention to those figures and you just think, you know, whatever can help one person, I'm happy with that. Yeah. I mean, I personally don't focus on it too much. Obviously, Again, metrics is really important to quantify success. So yes, obviously viewership is really important, but for the, my objective, personally speaking, obviously with the business that we run, Peak Performance, it's a 5K product for individuals doing multi six, seven figure, eight figures. There's not a huge amount of those people out there. Mm. And if they are, they're the ones watching this content. So it could be a thousand of those individuals. And as a result, they're my exact client, which yeah. is great. Whereas if, for example, I produce a video, which is more clickbaity, gets 50,000 views, but doesn't fuel my business, then there's no point in producing that content in the first place. And again, you're basically pole dancing for views, which <laughs> makes no sense to me. Um, yeah, I suppose from an ego perspective, it frustrates me, like, I mean, totally honest and candid, it frustrates me if someone brings it up. <laughs> not, 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 no, no, not yourself, <laughs> but if, for example, like someone that you're wanting to impress. Because no, again, like, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. it's the case. Like if, for example, my girlfriend was to bring it up when we first started dating, I then have to explain it and justify it, yeah, right? yeah. And which is totally wrong. And again, it's an ego thing, but <laughs> it does happen. Um, yeah, I mean, it is the way it is. And it's just the way in which the world works at the moment. And obviously the individuals that get the most attention by producing the most clickbaity videos, they get the most views. But in terms of the objective of what we're trying to achieve with our business, it doesn't really matter. So yeah, yeah. and provided that people get value from it and it's something which I'm, I like producing anyway, and I can look back on as well, which is interesting. And yeah, it's, it's cool. So. Yeah. Two questions about what you've learned. I don't know which one to do first, so I'll just throw them both at you. Right? For sure, yeah. The first is, so you've been doing YouTube for maybe two years or so, is that right? Not that many, like a year. Is it really? Yeah, okay. yeah. Not, so not hugely long, yeah. Between video one going live and your most yeah. recent video, whatever that may be, going mm. live, um, what have you, not about YouTube, but about yourself and about your uh, the things that you uh, teach people about, what have you learned in that time uh, to, to kind of point out and say, actually, I've developed as a person in that year? And then also, what are the things that you've learned from your clients? Because we were talking just before we started recording, right? And I yeah. find it fascinating that you have kind of open door access to some of the most successful, productive, focused mm. people in our generation. Right? Yeah. They may not be the big names, but I guarantee you that they're doing they very interesting things in will be. Right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What have you learned from them? So they learn a lot from you, but what have yeah. they taught you? Yeah. In regards to YouTube first, um, the things that I've learned, personally speaking, is to slow down my, my process in terms of speaking. <laughs> it's really important, it's imperative. Um, yeah, more so from a perspective of, again, this is reinforcing the things I know already is the main thing I've learned from YouTube, particularly with our content being informative rather than it being a case of trying to get views and vlog content. It's a case of I sit down, I'll talk about REM sleep or deep sleep or variables like that, even with Aphanil, for example, um, which in terms of is very, yeah, it's very nuanced, I think it's fair to say. And obviously the content I'm describing is very scientific and the things I'm covering in terms of research papers, studies is, again, you have to be wanting to observe that content rather than just being looking around the video. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's just reinforcing information that I know already and then highlighting how I should portray that and convey that to people in a very simple format rather than it being so sciencey. Um, because if you're someone which is informed in that space, you're often thinking about high level things rather than it being kind of like layman's terms or basic level terminology of what you're describing. So that's important. Um, yeah, with regards to the clients that I work with and, and what I've learned from them in terms of biggest takeaways, that's the question that you're asking. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, I'm very lucky to have, like as you said, like open door access to these individuals, and that's one of the reasons why I actually started this business in the first place because I wanted to know why these people are successful, and hence why I've done the podcast as well, where I'm interviewing these kind of people also because it's it's very interesting to observe their behaviours, their routines, their thought processes, their their lifestyle, their their upbringing as well in terms of family life and how they then continue to lead their life and how it's influenced it. Um, yeah, I think the first thing I became aware of quite quickly was all these individuals have come from a position of either the reasons to why they create success is from a position of either scarcity or something's gone wrong in their life, which seems to be quite a key trait and quite common. So the individuals that I work with, they've either had potentially like a, a poor childhood, both financially and in terms of people around them not being, being particularly great. And as a result of that, they have a bit of a chip on their shoulder and need to prove something. Or they have insecurity in terms of wanting to prove themselves to other people. Um, but the individuals that I see as being most successful, and again, that gets them to, to a certain point where they could do you know seven figures, then after that, they've attained the things that were fueling their insecurities previously. So they hit a certain ceiling and that's it. Um, the individuals that I'm working with are doing eight figures and will continue to scale and be the best minds, I think, of our kind of like generation, actually, which is quite a bold statement, but I think it's fair to say. Yeah. Um, they're individuals that are doing this because they're fueled by their desire to improve and build upon something for our generation and for society, rather than it being a case of being fueled by insecurities and anxieties and previous traumas and whatever it may be. Um, so, for example, I'll refer to one of them being Tyler Newman. So, obviously, he's primarily in the real estate space. I, I see Tyler on a daily basis. We walk past these incredible real estate developments in London, and he he just says, like, one of the first things he'll say to me is, "I want my name to be there." That that is the objective, and I have no doubt that he'll do that very quickly as well. Um, especially with working with Rosie as business partner, who runs the Cassidy Group, and they're worth a billion. It's an evaluation now, which is a family-run business. It's very impressive. Um, yeah, they don't have any form of insecurities anxieties or you know, those kind of fueling tendencies I think, or, or beliefs and um, they're just there to create reform and change and continue to push themselves and they see life as being a game and business as being a game which is great because they can remove themselves emotionally from the, the process and experience so if something good go, something good happens they're not hit by a huge amount of dopamine and think i've made it then they go out and buy ridiculous things um, even though Thailand's Lamborghini at this point. Um, but then also at the same time, if something bad happens, it's not totally catastrophic and doesn't totally ruin their lives. Um, but yeah, in terms of the reasons to why these individuals are successful, it's because they have the ability to shut themselves off from the rest of the world and actually do the work. I mean, yes, most individuals can educate yourself on the content or the things that the steps required to actually attain success and achieve success in business, financially speaking, your personal life. Yeah, it's out there. It's free content on YouTube or whatever platform, any info product. But actually doing the work is a different matter. And these individuals will either, you know, potentially totally isolate themselves, go to a different country country and work for three months at a time and just get everything done. Or as a result, they'll have you know, very limited screen time, very limited interaction through social media, but still have social interaction because it's important to happiness. Um, but yeah, they, they'll work for, they'll get actual work done for 10 hours per day rather than two hours, which people are glorifying as being 10 hours and posting on social media. Yeah. Um, so yeah. And obviously they they have their basic level of intellect. They're not incredibly intellectual individuals, I think it's fair to say, and I think they'll happily say that themselves. They're not people that are more smart than most individuals around us, but they have the ability to see through things for what it actually is and then see gaps in particular spaces and then move forward with that as well. Yeah. Yeah. So without naming names, have you ever had a client who thinks that you say it's a five thousand pounds or dollars? Or yeah, dollars, yeah. Dollars. So has has anybody ever not literally, but dumped $5,000 on your desk mm. and thought, you're my key to sorting my shit out. Mm. But then, like you say, we're doing the work, not done the work. Like I say, without naming names, have you ever yeah. come across people who just think that 
they can buy their way through life with things like this. And how do you deal as somebody who is, for want of a better word, a mentor to these people with encouraging people to do that work? Because, you know, personal experience here, eating well is a challenge sometimes, yeah. right? Going to the gym is a challenge. How yeah. do you, especially remotely, how yeah. do you encourage people through that that hurdle? Yeah, great question. So our process is a behavioral change process. So it's something that requires time and patience, I think it's fair to say. Um, and then very clear instruction in terms of step-by-step processes. Um, I've, I've personally never experienced anyone just give us $5,000 for a service and then not engage with it. They've all gone through the info product. They've all engaged with us in terms of one-on-one consulting work, etc. I think most individuals think it might be easier than it is in terms of process. Um, slash they think that as a result of having purchased the product, they get the benefits immediately speaking about putting in any of the work. Um, but that's not to say that's the case with our clients because most of these individuals are totally self-made. So they know that the process is there in front of them. They need to actually follow through with it. Unfortunately enough, that's 99% of the people we work with, which is great. Um, yeah, in terms of process, in terms of making sure it's optimal for our clients, time efficient and basically something they can stick to long-term, Great question. So I was previously running just a one-on-one consulting model. That was the model which I was running this service with where I'd engage with the clients on a one-on-one call every week and obviously through Slack channels, et cetera, for communication. Um, I then saw the desire or the need for developing an info product which laid out the process step-by-step and highlighted the things which will create immediate reward and immediate benefit in terms of like a like an immediate action item pack. And then obviously dissecting sleep, nutrition, body, mind, time and focus in more detail in a course so they can see that structure from A to B because personally speaking, that's something that I'd benefit from. So I then put that in place as a program, as an info product. So that benefits them as well. They can go through that on their own time. And then in terms of the nuances, in terms of personal detail, yes, we go through that one-on-one through our consulting work and obviously engagement directly. Um, and that can be, every individual has different difficulties and different struggles. So for example, actually adhering to your sleep routine, sleep start and end times. Some people fail to do that on certain weeks and other individuals will have already in a score of 99 every day, which is very impressive and very high level. It just depends on their identity and how they've kind of interacted with this and actually brought that into their own lives. So um, again, it's a process they need to learn from and something we need to help them with and facilitate that element of identity formulation or growth or manipulation, I think it's fair to say. Um, yeah, and again, in terms of the, the elements of incorporating practices of basic routines and systems, like you said, eating right and actually sleeping on at certain times, I think, again, we, we, as human beings, we will stick to our hygiene standards. We're, basically, we're not seeking discomfort, we're seeking comfort, right? So we're seeking something which is kind of, we're used to, we can just fail to basically push ourselves and we'll be happy with that. Um, in that respect there, it's finding the triggers which enforce that change. And obviously, as a result of that, create that identity. So, for example, sleep start and end times. If, for example, you see a flicking light at 10 p.m., that informs you you should be going to bed, you're more likely to then go to bed. Or if you don't have your phone in your bedroom, as a result of that, your sleep quality will improve drastically. If you have all these variables set, you're more inclined to actually put these systems in place and get the benefit of it and the reward of it. Whereas if, for example, you fail to do those things and the, the immediate behaviours, they, they, you know, they'll fail to be improved upon or actually implemented. Um, and as I said, it's the activation energy things, element of things. So if, for example, you took the batteries out of your, your remote control on your TV, You'd be less inclined to watch TV on a daily basis. You may be more inclined to pick up the book, which you purposely put here, rather than reach a remote, which is 20 meters away, and actually turn that on. And as a result, you get 50 books read per year as opposed to watching TV. Yeah. The same thing goes with these hygiene principles, these habits. If, for example, you make the process easy and systemized, when it comes to every variable of your health and performance, you'll do it. It becomes easy. It becomes the easiest thing to do rather than the, the thing which may be perceived as being more enjoyable, which is the late night thing and, and that element of things. So, yeah, really basic systems, routines. Like, for example... 
either Philip Hewlights. I don't know if you've seen them before. Yes, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I um, just bought a bootleg one on a, <laughs> like, oh, okay, a, so, like a £30 Amazon one. It does the job though. Yeah. Like the, uh, you're talking about the wake-up lights. Or yeah, what? so the wake-up lights, so that's, that obviously turns on at a certain point in the morning and obviously in terms of your sleep start time as well, it turns a certain colour at a certain timing as well. Yeah. So informs you of the fact you should be going to bed at that time as well. And that's, again, very easy to adhere by. If you don't have that highlight or that reward, that, that element of informing you that should happen, then it's going to be difficult to adhere to. But yeah. My, um, <laughs> I am the worst person at waking up in the morning. Yeah. The worst. Even this morning, it wasn't even early morning. I had to wake up at eight. Yeah. It was eight and I was like, fuck, it's so <laughs> early. Um, I'm literally in my bedroom in Corby, which I don't spend a lot of time in, but I can kind of do more there because it's my house, right? Yeah. Um, so <laughs> it's ridiculous what I need to do to wake myself up. So I have my phone as an alarm on the other side of the room. Yeah. Two reasons for that. The first, obviously, so I can't, when I can't get to sleep, I can't roll over and go on my phone. Yeah. So the phone is making noise. The uh, the bootleg uh, wake up light is lighting up the room half an hour prior to me waking up. Yeah. And then also, <laughs> this one's extreme. It does the job, but I'm not sure if it's good or bad. Maybe you can offer guidance, right? <laughs> um, and it wakes me up every time. Mm. Is about 20 minutes before I wake up, I have a heater on a timer that will make my room like really fucking hot. That's insane. I, I but I can't not sleep. I can't not be awake. Then. Yeah. And it works. But you know what? If it's not for that, I. <sighs> I don't know what it is. I get enough sleep. Whoop seems to think I'm doing okay. Yeah. I just can't wake up. What do you think? Um, I mean, there'll be different things that I'd assess with that. So, I mean, personally speaking, I don't think Whoop is that accurate at tracking data. I've tested Aura Ring and Whoop at the same time for six months, worn both devices, and Aura seems to be much more accurate. So, yeah. I'll just be aware of that in terms of informing you of metric data for sleep. Um, yeah, obviously, you want to optimize sleep quality and efficiency first, and then potentially manipulate your sleep start and end times to adhere more towards your chronotype, which are more, obviously likely to adhere to. So if, for example, you notice that most, most young individuals will want to stay up later and wake up later. It's just the way in which we're wired, primarily because of the fact we're exposing ourselves to blue light at night and working late at night or watching videos online late at night. Um, so as a result of that, they'll struggle to wake up at even eight o'clock, like you said. So maybe even pushing that sleep end time back a little bit would benefit you also. Uh, increasing your sleep quality and duration again would be something which I'd look at. Um, yeah, I think assessing your sleep quantitative would be key there more than anything else. It's frustrating because when I, it's particularly during lockdown, I don't know what it was about mm. the the freedom to have like no meetings, nothing pulling me out of bed at a certain time, but then a late night the following day to kind of mess those things up. Yeah. During lockdown, I was waking up really quite early. Yeah. And those like half past five, six until 9am are stupidly productive. Yeah, yeah. And I would do anything. Like I would pay so much money to be able to to wake up. You're about to sell me your uh, product now, but yeah. I, would, <laughs> I would pay so much money to be able to wake up at that period because yeah. those three hours like I would no exaggeration I'd get to 1pm and I'd be like shit I need to look for more work to do now because yeah. I've kind of done everything that I planned to do for that day mm. but yeah I don't know why I've always and I think a lot of people are similar whether it's either falling asleep or waking up I've always just struggled with it and no matter what I seem to implement it doesn't make a huge difference so yeah I'm, I'm still investigating that one yeah one thing I would say in terms of biology as well is also the hormonal response to things so when you're wanting to fall asleep your body needs to produce melatonin to induce sleep and as a result, when you wake up, you need to produce another hormone to counteract that melatonin, which is cortisol, to wake you up, right? It's basically the stress response hormone, which gives you that kick. Otherwise, you experience that element of brain fog and not wanting to get out of bed first thing in the morning. Um, and in order to basically optimize your ability to wake up first thing, you need to optimize your ability to produce cortisol and basically have the right hormonal response to things. If, for example, your sleep start and end times are either inconsistent or have been for extended periods of time, there's going to be a huge degree of circadian disruption. And as a result of that, your body doesn't know when to go to bed nor when to wake up, right? So in terms of that ability to produce cortisol melatonin correctly, it's going to be inadequate. And as a result, you, you may be staying around for half an hour in bed 
it's, it's very sure. simple so yeah. it's just the biolo- biological element of things we need to be assessing so the way in which you basically counteract that would be a case of making sure sleep starts and end times uh within an hour of consistency every day of the week rather than it being five days of the week and on the weekend it's slipping it needs to be consistent every day of the week so something which is really important to bear in mind I'll, uh, I'll let you know how I go on. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so this is a bit of a detour before I, I land on the final question, which yeah. is uh, about uh, advice for anybody listening. But before I go there, something you said a little while back when you were talking about the reasons why people continue to be successful mm. in your experience. And I was smiling when you said about the, the I wouldn't say childhood trauma, but I'll, I'll, I'll tell you a story, right? Because I wrote an email to my newsletter group a few weeks ago, yeah. kind of about this very topic. And I want to hear your view on how you see yourself within this kind of sphere, right? Sure. So yeah. when I was 19, 20, so my dad wasn't working because he couldn't work, but he hadn't yet been diagnosed. And my right. mum kind of knew that something was wrong, but didn't know what, so she would stay off work. Yeah, I wasn't earning a lot of money at the time. Mm. And like, there was no money coming into the house. Right? I speak about this on the podcast. I call yeah. it like the dark times because as well as being uh, figuratively dark, sometimes there was no fucking electric. Like yeah. it was literally crazy when I think back it felt normal because hedonic adaptation and all that I didn't feel that bad at the time but like there would be sometimes we'd have like no food in the fridge like Mm. none I have a picture of my iCloud thank god because I want to show that to my bloody kids one day yeah look how good you got it yeah (laughs) so I wrote to my email list the other day and I said that I'm panicked by how not panicked but I'm panicked by how well things are going right now in as much as like my relative level of comfort even in the past three years has gone on so much right like the watch the car the all of the, and they're not even expensive yeah. things but all of these things i'm like shit i'm fairly comfy now yeah but i'm also like miles from where i want to be mm. but i panic about getting too comfortable too soon yeah now the reason i want to ask you about this is that from your body to your behaviors you almost have to be the epitome of what you sell right yeah, yeah. as much as people look at you they understand that this is a high performer because he follows the system i want to yeah. buy into the system mm. do you ever fear that either a one day you'll think oh fuck it i'm gonna have a mackies or b, <laughs> or b one day you get I, I wouldn't say bored of it but do you know what i mean fatigued of being the epitome of the thing that you have to be does that make yeah, sense yeah no great question um yeah i mean i think we're all human i think it's fair to say, and again we're all flawed so I think in that respect, there's obviously certain behaviours, certain elements of discipline that slip from time to time. And something which, again, is something part of the process, something you learn from as well. You're going to learn from every mishap or failure. And the same that goes in business, the same that goes in personal life as well, that will happen. Um, I think you can protect yourself from that by surrounding yourself with the right people. I mean, I mean, on an emotional level, I experienced that with my ex-girlfriend a lot where she tried to compromise my behaviours, which were going to benefit me. Yeah, but then with my current girlfriend Brittany, she's just a gem. Well, she'll actually do everything that I do and wants to do it because it's going to benefit her as well. So that's great. Um, yeah, in, in that respect, in terms of what you're talking about with comfort, I think that's a really interesting topic to kind of go into as well. So yeah, I personally experienced that as well, where it got to the point where you, you know you're doing like multi six figures, and it's like oh okay, and then you live in like a place like this, and you're like oh it's kind of cool, like that's and I'm quite happy, and then your motivation to work will suddenly dwindle quite quickly. Yeah. And you're kind of wondering why that is. Is it because you lack purpose maybe? Is it because you're not interested in the product anymore? Is it because a multitude of reasons? But I think the main thing is is that it's comfortable, isn't it? Mm. Um, So for me personally, I want to expose myself to discomfort as much as possible, which sounds kind of sadistic and kind of nuts. (laughs) But um, I've noticed that the most growth that I experience will come from periods where I put myself through periods of discomfort, whether it be physically or mentally speaking as well. Um, And I'm always wanting to explore that in more 
detail and obviously every element of it as much as possible. So I mean, I'm fascinated by obviously Wim Hof's work, and I really want to go on the um, like the he calls it a holiday camp or whatever it may be, where you go to Poland or the Czech Republic or even his house in the Netherlands and just spend two days with him and oh, go wow. through all that process. I'm going to do that this year. It would be really interesting to explore. But I mean, I put myself through hell physically speaking as well. Like I did the, even like small things like the 5K I did yesterday. Did it in 1823. I I honestly thought I was going to pass that after that. It was horrible. <laughs> but I then experienced the most period of psychological growth and obviously growth in terms of my business as well by doing those things. So um, yeah. And in terms of the lifestyle you could attain with the amount of money you earn. And this is what I've learned from my clients as well. Some people really shoot themselves in the foot with it where they start, as I said, like spending copious amounts of money on things to impress other people um, or make themselves feel better because they've got these things either on their wrist or, you know, they're wearing them pretty much or they're driving it. Yeah. It's yeah, the way it works <laughs> or they live in it. Yeah. yeah. Um, and for me personally speaking, I, I've never been motivated by material goods, just being totally frank. I find much more happiness and benefit from pushing myself to extremes and I've always done so. Like... I bought a Rolex at one point. It was the most dumb thing I ever bought. I, I sold it like three months later because I was just like, why am I wearing this? My Apple Watch has many more utilities than my Rolex does. I'm getting the wrong kind of attention by wearing this watch. I look like a bit <laughs> um, So for me, it wasn't my kind of thing. Other people, great. They're perfectly into that. That's perfectly cool as well. But for me, no. Um, and by having that, I then started to boost my ego, which was really negative in all respects in terms of my relationships with my family, friends, and even in regards to work as well, because you, you suddenly look at that thing, you're like, oh, I've made it kind of thing, rather than thinking, oh, I'm at plan level, level, level A again, I'm at the first step. So, yeah, that's what I've kind of learned from that process as well. Discomfort yeah. is the key thing. <laughs> yeah, for Watch, sure. Well, this is a tangent, but watches are an interesting one in as much as I will see, how do I word this right? I will see people who post like fashion brand watches yeah. and they will get like the closest up picture ever to be like, look, I spent 300 pounds on a bloody Armani watch and yeah. they will milk that on Instagram, right? In the opposite breath, there's somebody I know, again, I won't name him. He's currently running a, I think, two 250-person business here in London. Mm. Um, and because I'm into watches just as a as an interest or as yeah. a hobby, I saw, like, the slightest part of bracelet on his story when he was holding up the book. Yeah. And I was like, oh, what is that? And it was like a 30 grand AP. Yeah. I never once put it on social media. Yeah. And it's just, I find it so interesting that this almost goes back to what we spoke about before, where the people who are trying so hard to show off the role you, I, like you never showed your Rolex off period yeah, I, I did, no, I, did. I, don't, I didn't see it on your yeah, story no, I, like, I did okay. that's, that's the horrible thing okay yeah, no, so that's, that's what I find so interesting that it's almost like when you begin doing those things yeah. maybe you can speak to this when you begin doing those things of showing externally look I've made it you get that feedback loop that congratulations yeah. and then suddenly you're like oh, fuck it I don't need to do anything now yeah dangerous and you start to lack value for things that are really important mm. well from my personal experience with it anyway um, I mean, truth be told, at the time I was throwing myself with the wrong kind of people in terms of what they were doing with their lifestyle. Um, they were, again, business owners, but it was just something which they were encouraging in terms of behaviours and something which they were failing to become aware of themselves. Yeah. And I see that as being something which they had a great opportunity to exceed and excel in life, but they won't now because of that. It's actually coming to fruition quite quickly, which is interesting. Um, yeah, I mean, it's just a trap you can fall for. And again, it's going to only feed the element of addiction, social media and gratification in that respect as well. Um, and again it's one of those things where you're just basically highlighting every element of your life and your success online rather than actually doing it in person um, I mean you can be equally successful in person obviously but it's an element of you could achieve much more if you want to highlight those things Yeah. and I, it came to a point where I met this guy who's worth multi-billions as well as one of my friend's dads in real estate this small little dude Hispanic dude 
And um, I think at the time it was worth like eight, nine billion. Met him at dinner and just the most casually dressed guy, like so chilled. And he saw my wrist. He's like, what the fuck is that? Like, he's like, what, what are you doing? Because a young guy, he was just like, you know, you're just trying to impress other people. And I, it's just, I knew that subconsciously anyway, but hearing that from someone like that, who's created so much abundance in terms of their worth and whatnot, and obviously generational wealth as well, which is my objective anyway, yeah. I just became very interesting to kind of see that different element of things. And again, it's the element of kind of stripping things back to basics. Like I was most happy when I was, but personally in my life, most happy when I was 18, trying to determine what I was going to do with my life, working on the initial elements of it in terms of steps um, and had very limited money in my bank account. Like I was very happy because I had good social life. I had things I was working on developing with passion and that kind of prospect of success as well. And I had to put in the work and I was most excited by that. So yeah, getting back to those roots of things is really important, I think, in terms of attaining success. And I don't believe in the whole element of things like billionaires who don't highlight their wealth and you should adhere to that. I don't think that's true. I think you can be equally successful by having these watches, having these expensive clothes. That's That might be your thing and that's what you buy. For me personally, I kitted my house out with a gym. Yeah. Like I'd personally rather spend my money on that and it's my thing and, and maybe like a pair of a pair of trainers every now and then. That's yeah. kind of my thing. So um, yeah, it's just the way in which you decide to go really. I think. It's interesting. Yeah. yeah. I um, It is interesting seeing both, both pools of people because the second anybody gets money, um, they fall into one of two. I see you're wearing Gymshark, right? We spoke yeah. earlier about Ben Francis. Yeah. He's the most casually dressed. Like, he, he wears his this? own products. Yeah, he wears probably like, getting them for like three pounds wholesale. And an Apple Watch. That's what I mean. It's, yeah. it's incredible to see. But the, there's also uh, like what I failed to acknowledge when I was a kid also. When I was a kid, I, this even like last year, <laughs> was I always thought there was maybe like one route to success in terms of where you should do things. And having particularly invested in the info product space and seeing individuals like Sam lead their life in a certain way, which is... I think fairly autistic in terms of lack of social interaction, only working, um, and then you know potentially buying these things every now and then to make sure that you're informing yourself of you can create success. I thought that was the way forward, um, and I came to understand very quickly that that's not the case, and that you can do things in your own way, um, and potentially learn from others and take things from others or not. It's totally up to you. So, I again I thought there's one part of success rather than being multiple, in which I could explore myself. And I think the most important thing is to explore your own route and things which make you happy and fool yourself to continue to go and drive. And that's what I've seen across the board with all the clients that I work with. The clients that tend to be the least happy, and I think that's fairly prevalent in entrepreneurship space. There's a lot of unhappy people. Yes. Um, for a multitude of reasons, but one of the reasons being that they tend to follow others in terms of what they do is with their own life. And as a result, they don't lead life in their own terms. Um, the individuals that create the most success, in my experience, like I can refer to one being Dan Bass in the info product space and e-commerce. Um, he, what, I can't remember what his his kind of like motto is or like catchphrases. Um, oh yeah, the product's called Econ Freedom, but I can't remember what it's something to do with freedom. He lives life in his own terms. Like he didn't have any of these things until recently. In terms of buying these things, he likes traveling a lot. He likes doing stuff on his own in terms of his own space, working a lot of time. Like that's his thing. We went out in Canada and he worked out a Kindle in the club. I, was like, <laughs> I, I mean, that's just the way that's he's wired. Cool so yeah, no, it's I just interesting. That. Um, it's just his own kind of unique perspective on things his own kind of unique desire so yeah I think this adhering to your own kind of way in which you take things and learn from things is important as well how do you treat yourself then if it's not with the Submariner anymore what do you when you've had a good month what is it that you do do you step out to a restaurant or Um, no Uh, so in terms of my um, own experiences yeah I lost my dad's cancer and I lost two grandparents as well so in terms of the harsh reality of life, that kicked in very quickly. Mm. And your camera's died. Oh, well. <laughs> <laughs> um, that kicked in very, very quickly. Um, and it became, I became aware of the fact that kind of exploring these things in terms of gratification for experiencing things 
isn't so important. Mm. Well, to me personally, that's kind of the reform that it created in my own life. Not to say that I wasn't spending time with my family and, and valuing them enough before, but it's something which really kicked in and I became more aware of even. Um, I think it's important to reward yourself for reaching certain milestones, um, obviously in terms of actually just giving yourself a break and actually exploring that. But for me personally, I came to realize that it's more so a case of I find happiness in pushing myself physically, doing those things. Actually, I, I love that. It's kind of my, my state of flow. So I do that on a daily basis and that's kind of like my reward for everything anyway. Like people dread the gym. I personally look forward to it at the end of the day. It's my, my thing. But then also experiencing other elements of life and culture by traveling as well. It's really important as well and something I neglected previously so that I could then buy these things. And again, it's just like you can have that Rolex in a drawer and I, I just wouldn't wear it and yeah. I just didn't care about it. Whereas if I went away, I recently went to Santorini with my girlfriend. In lockdown, there's no one in Santorini. The whole entire island was locked down. We went for a walk across the whole island in a day. No one was there. It's incredible white infrastructures. And it was something I remember and I enjoyed so much. So yeah, it's different elements to it, I think, and different kind of choices to make. But I think I just want to live life where I, in which I explore things and push myself to every level. And that includes travel as well. Do you think you need to go through the period of buying, I don't want to call it dumb shit, but you know what I mean? I, I, I yeah. notice this with a lot of people that there will, there will almost be two levels of their for want of a better word, success. There'll be the first level where they need to show it off. And yeah. then there'll be the second level where they're comfortable, they're okay. And, mm. you know, it's almost like they, they rein it back, they pull it. I was actually listening to, can't think whose podcast it was, but Ben Francis on a podcast the other day, and he was talking about the fact that when he got a bit of cash, he bought the silly Oh, with car, Norman. He, yes. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. And then he's kind of, you turned on that. And I find that interesting. Do you think that you need to go through that period? Would you have been the same person now if you hadn't have made some decisions, some purchase that you regret to, would you be as level-headed financially now, do you think? Um, I have, I have so many ways in which to think about that question. Um, <laughs> I think per personally, at the time I was spending time with the wrong people who were heavily influencing that element of things to the extent where I wasn't comfortable with it, didn't want to do it, but nonetheless did it because I felt peer pressured by it, Yeah, which is something which I'm not particularly proud of saying in terms of being peer pressured by something at that age and at the level of responsibility I have but something that I did do anyway um I wouldn't have done it had I not been surrounded by those people so in that respect that was a lesson in itself so I learned from that process rather than from actually buying the thing I learned from that kind of experience anyway in terms of how much money they were spending relative to what they were earning and yes they were earning maybe like 300 grand a month but they're spending 250 of it and it was just bonkers um so I learned a lot in that respect I don't necessarily think it's something that you have to experience to go through to learn from I think you could probably I don't know. It depends how stubborn and how egotistical you are. I think I'm very stubborn. I'm a Taurus. <laughs> um, I'm very stubborn. So once I've got my mind on something, I'll most likely do it without, no matter how much warning I have. Um, but at the same time, if you can remove ego from that process, you can learn from the experience of others very quickly. And that's why I read so many books and listen to so many books because you're learning from the life of a hundred people in a year rather than just your own experiences. Um, so yeah, again, why only came to that conclusion having done those things in the first place? So yeah, probably, maybe, but... They think everyone needs to do it. I know yeah. people, like even my friends, for example, like Matt and Fred, they're, you know, they're doing incredible things with their e-com businesses and they don't present themselves as being the most successful people online. People don't even know that they own these brands. Um, and again, it's just kind of like your own individual, I don't know, ideology or the way in which you want to mm -hmm. approach life and whether or not you want to acquire like kind of success and fame for it. I don't know. It depends on your perspective of things, but yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, so I'll leave it here with one last question. Yeah. Because the camera's died. Yeah, it's all good. Yeah. <laughs> but it's all good. Um, so through all we've spoken about, mm. 
through the lessons you've learned from the people you work with, through the lessons you've learned yourself for however many years it's been that you've been doing this, right? Yeah. What are the two or three key pieces of advice that you would give to people listening now who perhaps don't have any ambition to start and grow a business? They don't have any ambition to do anything wild or anything that they would consider extravagant, but they just want to feel a bit better. They maybe want to get home from work and not feel sluggish when they play with their son or daughter. They want yeah. to be able to wake up in the morning and not feel like shit. They want to not have that 2 p.m. slump. What are the kind of, just the, the super easy takeaways? Not that any of this is easy, but the, no, but the like two basic actions. fruits. Yeah. yeah, what would you give? For sure. I mean, again, break down health and performance into the simple pillars. So sleep, nutrition, body, mind, time, and focus. Right, most individuals, whether or not you're running a business, will want to either optimize or increase those variables in life so they have a better quality of life. It's, it's pretty simple. Um, the way in which you should go about that would be, of course, being consistent with your sleep start and end times in terms of both you know the actual length and obviously the actual timing of that that's really important to then maximize your quality think about things which benefit you in terms of your sleep environment so for example room temperature basically you want to get that down to about 18 degrees celsius every night that's ideal so either having either aircon on or a chili pad which is slightly different it's more kind of um, machine based or even just having the window open at night as well is really important as well um don't expose yourself to blue light late at night or at least wear blue light blockers and also make sure that in terms of blue light fittings in your apartment or your house like for example the light above us right now is awful it's it's going to be pretty damaging and harmful but if you have better light quality obviously the better quality sleep you're going to retain as well um in terms of nutrition again i think most individuals should get things tested and i think metrics are really important to fuel behavioral change if you don't see metrics you're not going to implement any of the action items i'm talking about so that comes to sleep as well invest in aura ring or a whoop band so you can actually see every element of your sleep for what it is in terms of metrics rather than saying, oh, that's okay that night when actually in actuality it isn't, it's, it's crap. Um, when it comes to nutrition, get something something like a biome testing kit done, which is very cost effective. It's like $100, $150. It informs you of what food sources are good for you as an individual rather than by mass media or mass population. Um, in terms of inflammation and obviously gut health as well, and obviously as a result of that brain health and cognitive performance also because the gut and the brain are linked. Um, so that will inform you of food source you should consume, food source you should avoid, and food sources that are okay. Get that done as well. Make sure you're exposing yourself to natural light first thing upon waking and preferably as much as possible throughout the day. Incorporate more activity um, rather than being in a, in a static position which you're seated. Incorporate a standing desk or at least movement in every work block. I notice an increase in productivity and performance as a result. Um, I also think something people neglect as well is just being aware of kind of like basic happiness and what's going to make that something which is common in a daily, on a daily basis. So rather than rather being so stressed out with your work, think about it for what it actually is um, and also surround yourself with good people in terms of happy interactions and things which make you happy immediately rather than social media. Um, that's also really important as well in terms of fueling motivation to succeed and drive yourself in every element of life, I think, as well. Um, obviously, incorporating activity in terms of training as well, actually making care, taking care of yourself in terms of your cardiovascular system, obviously in terms of strength as well is really important. I think those are pretty much the basics that I cover. Yeah, light exposure, nutrition, obviously sleep quality as well. And obviously there's elements of tests you can get done past that point as well. And obviously things like meditation systems like that, but the basics are pretty simple really. Cool, okay. Yeah. I will, I'll put everything you just said into the show notes because I'm awesome. sure people are gonna wanna jump back on, but where can people find you online? Yeah, on Instagram it's Billy Harris Health, on Facebook just Billy Harris and on YouTube Billy Harris as well. Um, and then obviously in terms of links, the actual product itself is obviously through my social platforms as well. So people form this program and yeah, go from there. Perfect. All right, Billy, this has been Mate, far better. Than, not that I thought it'd be bad, but this has been <laughs> incredible. Like, the, the value you have dropped in the last hour. I'm sure everyone listening is going to appreciate it. But thank you it. so much for your time. Dude, absolutely. Yeah, thank you. No pleasure, man. Cheers. 
A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible Resistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.